This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Get everything for your next project today at Menards and save big money. Keep your walls and trim protected while you paint with Scotch Blue Painter's Tape. It's designed for use on multiple surfaces and can be removed easily without leaving residue behind. Save big on Scotch Blue Painter's Tape from Menards. Also, view our weekly flyer on Menards.com and check out all of our great deals happening this week. Save big money at when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And thanks for joining me for another Blunt Business here on CannabisRadio.com. Really appreciate all of you joining us. And as we're getting to the end of the new year, I want to go ahead and wish all of you here from Cannabis Radio on behalf a very happy new year as we get into 2024. And really got a chance to have a great guest, and I want to go ahead and feature this here on the program. Now, this interview I actually conducted on a different program. I won't mention much, but, you know, obviously I do some other independent programming, but I will just leave that out. But this interview I also wanted to go ahead and include here on Blunt Business because it is absolutely related to the business. Really, we talk a lot about what's going into 2024 and the current issues that are going on today. I got the chance to go and speak with the owner of the Cannabis Law Report, the owner of the National Interdisciplinary Cannabis Symposium, and he hosts a podcast of his own, of which I talked to him about pretty specifically on the program, the Karma Koala Podcast, Sean Hawking. And here is the interview right here. He's done a lot of work when it comes to into the legal industry, uh, a lot of projects he's on. He's been in the legal publishing industry for 25 years, worked for a law book company and Point of Law in Sydney, Australia. And... Upon moving to London, he worked for Legalese UK, the creator of the Legal 500 series, the Law Awards Concept, and Legal Business Magazine as their international print media sales director. Right now, he is currently 
hosting a podcast called the Karma Koala Podcast. And he also is the editor of the Cannabis Law Report. Website is CannabisLaw.Report. I'm here with Sean Hawking. And Sean, joining me here from Australia, thanks for staying up with me. No, no problem at all. It's, uh, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's late here, but uh, always happy to talk. So if I were doing something over on Cannabis Radio, I'm going to go into some things where one thing in particular in America, and obviously you keep up with what is going on legally around the world. And one of the things that's very point of mind now when I talk to accountants, when I talk to uh, virtual CFOs over on Cannabis Radio, they've been talking about how the DEA now is looking to go, what was it, uh, that right now the DEA is considering a rescheduling of cannabis from Schedule 1, which would be still an illegal substance, to set, to Schedule 3. And one of the things that would be important for that, it wouldn't change the status of how, without a medical marijuana card or not being in a state where you have adult use or medical cannabis use, one of the things that would be changing for cannabis businesses is the area where Section 280E, Internal Revenue Source Code, that causes companies to not be able to go and write off for tax purposes. So they accrue more taxes upon the sales tax, the revenue taxes that they already get accrued upon on a regular basis. Once this changes, it would change around. Is that something you've heard a lot about from yep. legal scholars yes, and attorneys? I've actually had a, had a lot of uh, a number of conversations on the Karma Koala podcast with uh, people in the industry, uh, lawyers, accountants, and uh, also some sm- uh, sort of smaller end business owners, as well as a, a couple of guys actually I spoke to in California who run brand and advertising. And uh, as you say, uh, the number one thing is the 280E, uh, allowing them to uh, eventually have a little bit more freedom from the tax office. But the other thing that it really uh, um, is sort of hasn't been discussed as much as it also changes the amount of um, federal research uh, funds that can go towards cannabis. So that means uh, as, as soon as we hit schedule three, there's a lot more money that can be doled out towards, a, right. uh, and towards one... educational institutions, etc. Mm-hmm. So that allows business to actually uh, work on data uh, that they can actually then um, present formally and create, you know, improve and create more business. There's a lot of cannabis podcasts that like to just do the, we want to get to know you better, know about your background. Tell us about what you're doing. I, I like for other podcasters to know that if you're bringing them on to talk about particular subjects and you're a, a niche focused program, let's get to the actual heart of the matter. I couldn't change the host's mind if I tried. And that's okay. If they want to do their shows like that, it's fine. It's a sponsorship. But in the program that I do, I want to give people something tangible and take away. In your podcast, in Karma Koala, I notice a number of the names that you have on are people I've had the chance to interview as well with, like Corwin of Stone Road, Jonathan Bohan of Weed Are, and I see Aaron, uh, Aaron Bloom of Doc MJ. I've had a number of those people on. And one of those things is, like I said, I like to go and talk current events and what things are the obstacles and issues they're talking about on, on, in, well, we're, we're on very, I'm very boring. It's, I always start the show with, um, you know, we, we obviously quickly cover somebody's uh, bio, but essentially I was, you know, 
everybody you know who's talking to me knows we're talking about the one major thing in cannabis which is compliance right. uh, and every other topic uh that we can we discuss whether it be uh rescheduling or could be safe banking this week it could be could be a whole range of topics and it's always with cannabis it's all compliance 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 so you know my background obviously is legal publishing that's what the uh, podcast comes out of the website uh, idea um yeah so i started the publishing the website what 2015 the podcast about 2018 like you around about the same time and and the main reason i did that was to uh you know put a voice to that boring boring word compliance everything is about compliance and enforcement and i I could probably say the word compliance at least 200 times in this discussion because in the end nothing works in cannabis without (coughs) that word now, how much time do you like to go ahead and focus on if you need to go ahead and put a little bit of background and context on the guest? I mean, it's it's one of those things where, I mean, I understand for some hosts of you want to take a few minutes to qualify the guest and show, hey, this person's important. We're going to talk about something really important with this guest. I'm going to show you why. And then we're going to get into it. Is that kind of the idea where you go with it? Yeah, well, I mean, you know, I, I do a couple of things on my podcast. Is uh, first up, I, I'm a bit of a, a bit of a music freak, so I always introduce uh, and uh, come in with some music that's a little bit different to start with, and then I have a very quick discussion about who the person is. But anybody listening to me and reading reading my site knows that uh, I'm the only guy that does law and cannabis specifically week in, week out, day in, day out. So they know that the conversation on the Karma Koala is going to be about legal related issues. And, you know, out of that conversation for five years, the the lead word has always been compliance. Uh, and, and, And it will be after if and when federal comes in it's it, you know until you and i the day we die that is going to be the conversation if you're building a new industry is how to make it compliant and work within the existing economic structure and because there's so much history to cannabis uh, more so than psychedelics which we can touch on in a bit which is a little bit different well way different actually uh many people might think it's something similar but it's actually way different um but cannabis you know it, it uh, an illegal market was created uh before the war the second world war and has been in existence nigh on 100 years and so compliance on both sides of the fence on the black and gray market and then on the on the you know regulated market whether that be state or federal is always going to be the main part of the conversation compliance and enforcement so i got the chance to in, in the almost 20 years it'll be in january or it's me in august next year that i'll have done podcasting and there were two legal shows that i specifically worked on first and foremost uh, one is called legal pad it was actually when we were when i was actually hosting well, i was producing a show for why not why not which is an adult uh website company and we talked about the various areas when it came to the usc code 2257 4472 that was really the focus at that time of the documentation and all the paperwork was being done on the adult industry. So porn specifically mm. and digital because of all the changes that digital was creating across the board when it was not so much, you know, actually just magazines and just uh, videos. What we had then was after that, I actually produced for the show for over 10 years, the cyber law business report. Uh, and that was a Ben Kelly internet law center. And it was a great show to put on. 
we definitely went into areas of politics, so definitely took into areas of Washington and looking a lot into tech in terms of what was being changed, but specifically was just looking at very issues of, you know, the cyber attacks of looking for people that were being, you know, revenge uh, issues, people being attacked, just uh, privacy issues across the board. And those hosts never really had an issue of going right into the legal jargon and going into various cases and being really in depth. Is that something that when you look at your audience, what's the, what have you learned is really how they've responded to how deep in the weeds you can get into actual content? And do you feel like you need to keep it a little more basic and pliable for them? I, I tend to th- uh, keep things Look, most of my listeners know the topic already very well. Right. So discussing in great detail a specific case, for example, or a specific <laughs> piece of legislation isn't of great interest to them because they know that already. What they want to do, what they want to know is what other people or possible clients are thinking in the industry with regard to a specific topic. Uh, so that, I mean, that's, yeah. And also I think a, a, a lot of uh, the podcasts that I hear in the States, um, as you say, there's a lot of very long winded introductions. And then there's a, there's a, there's a, there's a, there's a lot of chatter where everybody's talking in, in, in sort of cannabis code. And what you know, what I'm trying to do with my guests is be fairly straightforward and say, look, these these people are working in a, a very sophisticated and difficult industry to work in. And what what we're really trying to say is uh, that to understand the industry, you need to understand the people working in it and around it. Uh, and they have a lot of knowledge, depth uh, and that needs to be got across to the listener, whether your listener is going to be a legislator in a state that hasn't done something yet, or whether your listener is somebody who's thinking about starting a business in another state that maybe is only legalized or regulated medical marijuana rather than regulated adult use. So what we're, what we're trying to do is, is really get across that there are, there are certain issues. We don't need to really, uh, dig really deep into in the podcast to those issues because that you know for example if i'm talking to a lawyer if there's a possible client they're going to have that conversation anyway so what right. what we're really trying to do is illustrate the quality of people in cannabis because there's still a lot of a lot of sort of quiet thinking uh, in in the world outside cannabis that it's all a bit sort of uh you know early 70s high times sort of vibe still where actually it, we're, we're in an entirely different world and you know you wouldn't believe it or not people still think like that and it, it's just getting that across that it also i think it's very important uh you know cannabis at the moment is very u.s centric and I'm also trying to get across with my guests uh, that actually we're talking about a global change and a global industry. So, for instance, yeah, there's a certain amount of stuff happening in Australia at the moment. But, for, for example, a very active market at the moment or very active jurisdiction, as we'd say, in the, in, in, on the legal side of things is Thailand and how they opened up their market. And now they're deciding actually they want to uh, try and sort of tighten things up in the adult use side what's happening in europe a lot with cbd at the moment uh 
and also quite a lot of changes in places like Africa. Um, and we really trying to get across that it's a it's a global industry, just like any other sector. You could be talking about, you know, I want people to think it's as boring as shipping, basically. Um, again, and that's I'll fire back that word again, compliance, because it's all it's all about getting the the issue across that it's an industry that needs to move forward and everybody needs to sort of grow up a bit about it and not think of it as, uh, you know, I want 28 percent uh thc and that's that's the end of the conversation so uh you know to go back to your uh, your question is i don't think we need to dig right into the minutiae of a certain piece of state legislation or a particular case to illustrate the point it's more important to show that the people i'm speaking to know this already are very intelligent and can speak about it in an adult manner um and it's it's something to be taken seriously i'm here with sean hawking the owner of the cannabis law report and the host of the karma koala podcast here on blood business we'll be back with more after this rolling into some sponsors but we'll be right back with more blunt business welcome back i'm here with sean hawking owner of the cannabis law report uh, we'll be talking a little bit later about the National Interdisciplinary Cannabis Symposium and the Karma Koala podcast, with which he hosts. When you bring up part of where those guests come on and they're not coming in with that 70s high time, that the the stereotype that you know we're trying to get away from, you get a chance to really realize the expertise, the professionalism of those that have been coming in from other sectors. And I'm sure you realize how many people you've brought onto your program, Karma Koala, that have come in from various sectors to come into the space and join the cannabis industry from Fortune 500 companies or wherever levels of, you know, C-level work that they've done to come into the space, bring their their, their skill set into the space and have a real understanding from the legal end, the compliance end, from the business end, the cultivation end. And I mean, well, look, that's that's one hundred percent correct. And uh, a lot of look, uh, it's 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 interesting you should mention this because a lot of a lot of people rushed in four or five years ago, thinking you know with a normal gold rush thing. And the interesting thing is, the people who have remained within the sector have become very very uh, devotional is the wrong word, but it, it, it it's sort of close to that they they they've really understood that there's a real few and that, that they become you know they become wedded to it so you know it's it's like anything new a whole lot of people come in and you know, the ones who are just chasing the money uh normally leave fairly quickly but then you know there's always left about i would say about 20 percent of people who um some of which probably didn't really believe as you know they just thought it would be interesting but i i've noticed with the people that i've speak to have come from other sectors they really want to they see it as a way of change and this sort of leads into uh you know what we what you touched on very early in our conversation about uh you know people talking about the market for the ones who know safety isn't a catchphrase it's a culture and the ones who help make sure everyone makes it home safe. For the safety-minded who watch everyone's backs, Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as safety assessments and training to keep your facilities safe and your people safer. 
Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Saving money on everything for your next project at Menards. It doesn't matter what job you're up against. Works cordless power tools and lawn equipment have the power for you to get the job done faster and easier. The PowerShare 20-volt batteries run longer on a single charge, and they can be used with other tools. Check out Menards' entire selection of Works cordless power tools and lawn equipment. Plus the weekly flyer today on Menards.com. Save big money at with regard to psychedelics and legislation in terms of therapies for psychedelic um, compounds. And I think, you know, these two sectors, they're, they're quite different, but they work hand in hand because it allows people to work in an industry that they really believe in. And they're also understanding that because of all the blocks that are put in the way, it, it's not easy money. None of it is actually easy money. Um, and that in in a way that creates that creates more knowledge, more love for the sector, and more desire to make it work for the people that not for themselves so much, but for the people who will benefit from the range of products and ideas that are generated from this sector. And that's why I carry on working in it. And especially with lawyers, uh, you know, it's it's creating a whole range of different types of lawyers. You know, some of them are just working your standard, what, you know, white shoe law firm type approach, but doing deals, bang, bang, bang. But it's also now now bringing up lawyers, for example, who work uh, entirely in environmental law and cannabis and uh, you know, anything from planning but also looking at the way that it's becoming another agriculture industry and that should be wrong cannabis should actually be treated should should lead the way to teach other parts of agriculture that you can do things in a different way and improve the planet as you as you create a huge a, a large industrial sector so there's there's a whole you know that's just one example of the type of the types of things that people are doing uh uh, just from the one word cannabis. I noticed from some of the guests you have on as well, because at the same time, there might be some guests that you have on that I might have had on before or after you. That would tell me that the PR firms that are a plenty in the space, some that are very, you know, I don't want to go and start naming names because I'm going to, I'm going to miss somebody, but there's a lot of good PR in the space that have come in to represent companies and they're always seeking podcasts like ours to get their guests on, of course, paid to media. They're getting something out of this, but also it's a chance to go ahead and connect with these guests that we can use for just like you do right now with some of the subjects we can go and talk about. You obviously kind of go in the same mindset that I've been trying to do as well, where I want to use them not just to go and talk about their background. Like that's a good focus. We can bring, we can bring that up, but I like to go into the fact of let's get into the actual things that they can actually talk about that we can actually inform the public on. What can you tell me about, what you've done with the PR companies and if you have a lot of them that reach out to you and you know, how much does it really help to fuel 
the guest pool in your podcast? Well, initially, not at all. And I, I chose my guests directly mm-hmm. and mainly I was choosing specifically lawyers. But actually, uh, recently in the last sort of <clears throat> eight or nine months, I've I've reached out to PR companies and I've asked them to get in touch with me if they have interesting people. Because I've begun to, uh, you know, I, I want to get a, a wider range of voices on the show. Um, you know, I, I specifically uh, stuck with professionals to start with. So essentially CPAs and, and lawyers and then some policymakers and legislators. But um, I'm now sort of pulling more. I'm pulling more from the industry because it sort of goes back to that last thing I said was mm-hmm. uh Five years ago, there were lots of people in the industry I didn't really want to talk to because they were just there for the for a short period to you know jack up a share price or get a product launched. But now most people I'm dealing with uh, that have that are given to me by these PR companies have started their own companies or if they've joined from somewhere else. They want to make something of the company that they're in, or if it, it or it's longer term, they want to make something in the industry and not just in the US, but as a as a global sector. So, you know, what I'm interested with a lot of these guys is I'm talking to them now because I want to be talking to them once a year or once every you know, twice a year even, mm-hmm. and to see where their story, so to speak, goes over the next three to five years. You know, I've got this view that we probably won't see regulation on a federal level until if we're really lucky, the end, the the last, the last part of the next presidential cycle or even the next one after that. So I'm looking to find, find and follow people within the sector as they have to negotiate a whole range of rather sort of horrible and difficult issues uh, while the politicians mess around with what inevitably has to happen and, 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 and watch them, you know, grow a skill base that is basically unmatched anywhere else on the planet and, and then and be able to say to people, look, you know, you're seeing people who are building companies in a whole range of areas that support this sector, whether it be you know a brand person or whether it be a packaging person or whether it be a, a small business person in terms of running retail, et cetera, et cetera. And following those people through this process of getting to federal regulation, which then creates a whole new world which gives us another five years of conversations, 10 years of conversations right. as they operate in that world. <clears throat> I want to ask you now, you do focus mostly on the U S but you're based in Australia and you've been in England based before. Do you do any focus at all on world markets? I mean, I know we have, there's obviously the markets that are being built up in Latin America. I mean, even just a little bit on what we've done on business on the program I host, we've gotten a little bit of talk about Africa when it comes to Malawi opening up as a, or Lesotho as becoming um a country or countries that were able to go ahead and have medical cannabis use and seeing if there was going to be any markets that were going to be opening up and say in Europe, we've been seeing a lot of talk about that or in South Africa. And is there any focus on that that you ever put into because of the fact that you're international, but you obviously look at the U S very importantly for well, what the U S the U S is where it's happening. I mean, you know, right. look, Canada is a small, is a small mature market uh australia is a is a small mature market that operates under sort of basically a cartel environment that you know where 
uh, you know, and well, the and part UK of the cultivation, a, you're getting a lot of a lot of a uh, product that's coming from Canada, if I'm correct, import export. Exactly right. Um, but I mean, in terms of, I I find with the, the conversations and the, and the people I work with, especially in the professions, the knowledge uh, because of. Partly because of the confusion, but partly because it, it, the market is so big. Really, the U.S. will will lead the world in this industry, whether anybody else likes that fact or not. Um, you know, the the, the firstly, the, as as we've discussed, there's people coming in from other Fortune 500 companies who worked in the global environment before, so uh, you know they know what their their end plan is. Of course, is once there's fed once there's federal legislation, the UN has to change its mind. Once the UN changes its mind, everybody else changes their mind. The US is at the center of that. They then have an industry that they can export uh, intellectual property as well as product or um, so you know that th- it all comes from the u.s but th- there's other markets that will develop uh around in in parallel with that and some will stay more independent from the u.s market than others uh just like any other you know the fact is the u.s you know as much as people like to say it's an economic decline it's uh it, it leads the world in, in in most sectors and it's always going to lead the world in cannabis because it's only com- it's only competitor on a, on a global scale is a country called china who are who's going to have absolutely nothing to do with cannabis uh for you know probably 400 500 years minimum uh they, they don't change their minds quickly about anything <laughs> so this is this is where all the knowledge is coming from. These other markets exist, are important, and have their own stories and have their own histories. and And I cover them a reasonable amount, as much as I possibly can. Right. Um, but you know, the central market is the U.S., and that's and the, you know the the central part of the central market is the West Coast of the U.S., and that's just a fact. It's right. not going to change. No, you're right. It's and it's not like I even try to go looking out for uh, outside of the U.S. I mean, we covered a lot of Canada when they first legalized. There was just so much for me. It was a matter of how much are we learning specifically when it comes to what the 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 role model is going to be for the rollout of legalization, which I say personally is three to five years down the line. If even that full fledged federal oversight, I don't see it right now because wait, right now Congress is being set. There's just too many things policymakers are doing right now where. While the bills are already on the table, they can be put up for 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 vote anytime. Safe banking, yes, same thing, and other various bills. They're just not being touched right now. I mean, if if President Biden wanted to go ahead and win re-election, or any Democratic or Republican presidential candidate won their one election, cannabis would be one of those areas that would really put someone over the top. Personally, I think that is, but they're not going to do that right now. Plus, there's not enough lobbying money coming in from cannabis with the help of tobacco and alcohol to make that happen. Now. These are the normal subjects. These are the kind of things I would say specifically on blunt business where I don't mind being editorial. I will go ahead and speak when I see things from the guests I've brought on and from the information I read regularly. Like I'm not even a, a member of the cannabis space. I don't even smoke or ingest it. I never have. But I run, I manage cannabis radio. But that's been out because I'm an advocate for the space. I believe in legalization and I want it to happen. And I would love to see it where the States Act came into play, state-by-state state basis. They can all vote on what they want to have in terms of if those states want to have medical or adult use, rock on, go for it. Because to try to get every state to go and go on board with it, like Texas or, you know, like some others that are out there that I don't think they would ever go and take that on themselves. That's different. Now, 
is there anything you do in terms of where you're just facilitating the guests, you're, you're getting the information, you're fact-finding, you're learning. Do you ever put your own editorial input into each podcast? Uh, I, in each of my podcasts, it's a, bit, it's a bit like this. We're having a conversation, so by default, there is editorial input. <clears throat> um, but I try with my podcast to let my guests lead as much as possible. Right. Uh, and, and just, you know, I, I, and, and just... Uh, ask them some fairly direct questions throughout our half an hour conversation. Um, and every now and then I'll throw in a little bit of this, but be simply because most people who listen to me will also be reading my website, which is again, it's, it's, it, I try and obviously put a, a, a balanced uh, approach to everything on the website, the pros and the cons, but uh, essentially it's a cannabis website. Therefore, there's a reason, <laughs> there's a reason I'm publishing a cannabis website is because, uh, you know, I do tend to believe, uh, uh, as, 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 uh, difficult and as confusing as, as it can be sometimes that, that you know, regulate you know i, I have a, a fairly uh, libertarian view towards drugs so if you, if you don't regulate the whole lot of them uh, uh you know so not so nice people take control of them and it makes life miserable for a lot of people all over the planet so uh th- you know let's talk about it uh, a bit more seriously and stop sniggering uh, and so that's that's what it, as i said earlier that's what i'm trying to do with my guests is to get the point across hopefully uh, so when somebody listens to something on Spotify a few years down the line because they're taking it a bit more seriously, somebody hopefully somebody important listens to that. They, they they hear a whole lot of voices from the past and the present, and they go, "Those voices actually know what they're talking about." Uh, you know, and actually, you know, it's not dumb what they're saying. Yeah, what they're saying makes a lot of sense, and that's that's what I'm trying to get across with. Uh, especially with the podcast is there's a lot of extremely bright people out there who have chosen <laughs> this as their speciality. And yeah, b- before we finish it, yeah, I'd like to say there's, there's a lot of very young bright people out there. So I've, I'm working with a few people just coming out of college now, created a thing called cannabis uh, law, law students association, where I'm trying to pull out the best people coming out of law school. So, and give, give, start giving them a space to be able to talk about um, what the industry, what the sector is, because essentially it's that generation that will shape it. It's not our generation uh, and it's not even people in their thirties. It's people in their twenties who are actually going to shape the, what, what will become the reality sensible cannabis, psychedelics, cocaine, heroin, opiates, whatever, you know, industries, sectors, uh, areas of, of 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 regulation i like to call them mm-hmm. um because that's that's what is inevitably going to happen and people you know our generation aren't grown grown up enough to have this discussion i'm noticing that if i speak to people in their early 20s it's a no-brainer to have this discussion in uh in, in no, part of it too, uh, so the thing is I agree with the fact that i'm making sure we have information out there to educate those coming into the space, whether you're getting certified through various programs or there's actually college degrees and credits that are out there now for those students to come into the space. Like we do need those that are going to be educated, recruited, brought into the space. They're going to get a chance to go ahead and find the pipeline to find work in the space. There's going to be a lot of job in the industry right now. One of the things I want to make a point back to going back to editorial is that for me, because I don't have a dog in a fight, like I'm not part of a company that what I, if I say anything, 
you know, it's going to affect stock price. It's not going to affect anything. I just feel like I like the fact that what I do with my show is I take an editorial stance on certain issues where it comes to compliance. I'll constantly talk about companies. Be proactive. If you need to go to GMP status, do it. I know it's going to be cost more, but the thing is, we're coming back with final questions with Sean Hawking, owner of the Cannabis Law Report. By the way, the website is CannabisLaw.Report and the National Interdisciplinary Cannabis Symposium. So all one word, National Interdisciplinary Cannabis Symposium.com. Check out those websites as we go to break. Rolling into some sponsors, but we'll be right back with more Blunt Business. We're on the home stretch here on Blunt Business. Final questions here with Sean Hawking, owner of the Cannabis Law Report, the Karma Koala podcast of which he hosts, and the National Interdisciplinary Cannabis Symposium. I want to go ahead and build and make it a message to those out there because I, I realize what voice I have on the platform. So I will be editorial, but I mean, it's also in support of the industry and it's also staying apolitical as well. I never bring politics to any of my programming. I don't like to do that. It just clutters too much. If I'm going to well, say politically, it's going to be the fact that I want cannabis passed. I want cannabis legal. I don't care who does it. I just want it done. I mean, I think that that's the one great thing about cannabis in the U.S. It's one of the few uh, people use it politically, but generally it's actually much <clears throat> less political than any other jurisdiction around the world. So if you look at Australia, it, it, there's a there's a there's a very big distinction between what we'd call the left and the right on right. On, on view but actually in the u.s there isn't just certain individuals know which buttons to press to get certain things they want at certain times but essentially across the board everybody knows this is something that's got to happen at some stage uh, and everybody knows that certain like uh, people like to put the stop on it because they it's politically expedient for them to do it. They don't actually believe in what they're doing half the time. Uh, there, there, there is a there, there is a very mature view to cannabis, and generally an increasingly mature view to a range of illegal substances or compounds in the U.S. It's it's just when to tackle it amongst all the other things, and you know, whereas somewhere like the U.K. is very immature on these things still. Right. So uh, the U.S. really, in terms of not just the not not just the politicians, but people generally, whether they agree or disagree with it, you know, they've they, they've seen what the, you know, the Sackler family have done. And they I think most people say, well, you know, we really need to have a, a better understanding and control on these things, because otherwise we don't want we don't want we don't want uh cocaine cartels from Mexico or the Sackler family ruining uh, members of our family's lives uh, forever moving forward. Uh, You know, I think Americans have come to that realization over the last 10, 15 years, whereas around the world, uh, a lot of places still haven't come to that sort of realization that, you know, doesn't matter on either side of the equation. um, There, there are people who aren't nice and they, they need to, they need to be put out of the equation and common sense needs to come in. So one of the things I want to bring up that you brought up into your uh, the work right here is uh, there was a website you mentioned, and there was a particular event that's coming up December 1st through the 3rd, Portland, Oregon, the second national interdisciplinary cannabis symposium. Uh, what can you tell me about that and how uh, I see the cannabis law report is a partner in this. What can you tell me about this coming up? 
Yeah, the, this is a, uh, a symposium stroke conference uh, founded by a retired judge based in Brooklyn. Uh, sorry, she was originally from Brooklyn. She's based in Denver now called uh, Mary Celeste. And she worked in the courts as a, in the, in the federal courts as a, as a judge in, in, in Colorado for many years. She uh, is very well connected in that world and saw that there wasn't a great deal of knowledge uh, amongst people in the courts about the cannabis world. And, you know, and if federal, if and when federal comes along, unless that knowledge base is increased, it's going to come in the way that, say, the immigration courts are being clogged up at the moment. Um, so, you know, she launched the first one at the uh, Southern California Law School, uh, University Law School last year, because that's uh, where she went to law school. Uh, and then uh, her former partner, a uh, judge from Guam, uh, Judge Torres, uh, said, look, he just didn't have the time to do it this year. And I worked with her a bit last year. So I'm actually, we're, we're a double act. Uh, she's the founder, I'm the organiser, and we're putting on the second one this year at Portland State University, as I say, in, in PDX, Oregon, from the 1st to the 3rd. And the idea is, uh, essentially... Most, well, not most, all legal discussions in cannabis at conferences are attached to business conferences Mm -hmm. and basically discuss law and business. In this conference, for the first time, we've got the American Bar Association, the American Judges Association and the National Judicial College, amongst other partners, uh, all together under one umbrella. And that, that I can assure you that's an absolute rarity to get them under one umbrella on any topic. But to get them under one <clears throat> umbrella on cannabis is nigh on a miracle. Um and it's caused a few headaches along the way, but we've managed to do it. And we're trying. Yeah, essentially, this, the idea is to to uh, bring in the best people uh, that are across a, a number of topics, anything from DUI to legal information to diversity. Uh, you name the topic, we're covering it over the two days. Um, and, and I know you're actually you, on the second day of uh, panels. You're going to be moderating cannabis legal information. I see. Well, that's you, right, because there is none. Right. And, uh, and, and uh, <laughs> I also noticed that one of the people on the panel is uh, David C. Holland, who I've actually got a chance to interview as well. And I saw Sherman Early Powell is going to be speaking at the event. It's, it's quite right. a, a listing of people you have that are being part of this event. And. You know, at some point, I'd love to get some of those folks over at Cannabis Radio to go ahead and talk well, about it. Well, we've this. even managed to get Blumenauer on, which is uh, very nice indeed. And uh, yeah, he, you know, we only we only asked once, and he said yes. We didn't even have to chase him. Wow. So these these people understand that uh, unless we educate government departments, legislators, policymakers, and the judiciary, nothing is going to happen. If Washington can sign as many pieces of paper as they like, but unless uh, federal government and state government is better educated on these topics and better understands them and is is creating policy papers and uh, educational materials now for their departments, uh, it's going to be absolute chaos. So what we're trying to do is do two things. Take the work, take business out of cannabis and law for a little bit, right? And we're and try and talk about the public sector and how they now need to get a better grip on cannabis. Uh, and the, the reaction 
Yeah, we're small. We don't have a huge marketing budget, but the you know, in terms of the speakers, right. we've got a fantastic reaction. Uh, it would be lovely to get some more people coming along or being virtual attendees. Of course, you know, we clash. We're just two days after MJ Biz. We're at the same time as the as Canra, which is the Regulators Association. Mm-hmm. Normal are holding a uh, conference and, and on you know, the following week as well. I mean, it's a very busy calendar, um, and we're sort of new boys on the new boys and girls on the block, so to speak. Right. But I think you know what we're doing. Pe- uh, people are noticing. And we're seeing you know, year one and year two. We're starting something new, and we're hoping by year, you know, year three, year four, people will really understand uh, the value um, to them in the industry of uh, making these connections within state and federal government, and especially within the judiciary, um, for, so that they have a better understand. Because they did, look, the judiciary. Generally, people by people over the age of fifty, very conservative, uh, not conservative in a it's, you know the crazy GOP conservative word at the moment, but conservative in the old-fashioned you know middle of the road conservative will listen to an argument and decide one way or the other. That's their job, uh, and mm-hmm. this is this is what they want to hear. They want we're, we're presenting in a way as it's almost as though they're in court when they hear our presentations. It's. Uh, Pros, cons, and an expert witness. So they're hearing, you know, the, the the good, the bad, and what the expert witnesses have to say, and then they can make the, their decisions on what they need to do internally with regard to the information that they've been presented with. So we're quite old-fashioned in the way that we're doing things, yeah. but I think if, if if you're not, you're not going to bring these people on board and. You know, this is one thing I'm still having difficulty with the industry per se is understanding how important this is, because obviously everybody has, you know, if you're if you're working in a company, you've got the bank to worry about. You've got, as we discussed at the very beginning, we've got the tax office to worry about. We've got the people who've lent you money to worry about. We've got the tech to worry about. But, you know. All these things are important in running your day to day business. But essentially, everything changes when federal comes along. Everything changes again. And if those people who have been charged with uh, managing this stuff uh, don't understand, we're we're back to 2015 again, basically. Uh, And then that's another 30 years. And it's a much bigger problem, much bigger bowl of soup second time round than it is the first time round. And you combine the state bowl of soups, you know, 50 50 bowls of soup with then a huge bowl of soup. it's it's going to get pretty mixed up. So it's all, you know, um, it's not the economy stupid. It's education stupid, basically. And it's, I appreciate you, you put all these people together from their podcast with Cannabis Law Report and what you're reporting there and from all the resources that you put together. So there's, you know, first of all, the Cannabis Law Report, that's a regular, you know, daily go there, CannabisLaw.Report. You have Cannabis Law Journal. You have various directories. The cannab- global top 200 cannabis lawyers and another directory is the global top 200 cannabis lawyers and policy makers directory. I want to just ask one more thing before we get running. And I wish we had more time. We I, I mean, there's a lot more I'm sure we could talk about when it comes to your work in legal book selling, publishing, working at LexisNexis and the legal 500. But I want to ask you this last question about where the legal space is when it comes to cannabis that now psychedelics has brought into the space. And there are quite a few companies we've seen at the 
when our cannabis radio crew went to the MAPS conference, Psychedelic Science, uh, they had seen a lot of cannabis-related folks there, even Rolling Stone and, and I forget it was Vice or which other publication talked about it, but they went to the event and they saw this intersectionality of cannabis and psychedelics coming into the space because they're kind of parallel in terms of their trajectory and the coming into the space to help as plant medicine. Uh, what are you seeing from those that you're speaking with about how many of them are embedding themselves or now including psychedelics into their workload and those that are, you know, their, their enthusiasm about psychedelics coming into the space, possibly being legalized before cannabis does. Yeah. Well, uh, uh, in terms of law, a lot of them basically, so if, if you're a small and medium-sized law firm that specializes in cannabis, you are now specializing in psychedelics. Some of them have gone completely psychedelics. So some of them were uh, like a company like uh, a law firm like Emerge, for example, uh, entirely psychedelics now. Um, but a lot of the other SME um, firms would say between 30 and 50 lawyers or you know 10 and 40 lawyers, uh, they are all including psychedelics in their you know, offerings um, and that that's not that's all sort of been this year it's not it's going to be interesting literally post this week after well post yesterday after the newsom saying he's not going to sign that bill um until they come back to him with some new stuff next year because uh, i think they were all gearing up for a lot of business in california opening up you know by christmas or early next year so it might put a slight stop on it but essentially uh you're going to see uh you you're already seeing uh, a lot of independent operators, uh, you know, solo solo lawyers doing it. Uh, a, a few just concentrating entirely on psychedelics, and I would imagine that's mainly because they've got some big pharmaceutical clients, and then a range of them with a mix of clients that are government based, as government tries to bring in legislation by in in each of the states. Um, or some sort of, of of regulation one way or the other uh i wouldn't be surprised if newsom signs something uh that comes back to him next year where you don't start seeing some of the bigger law firms um you know the big white shoe law firms also some of them are already doing deals but quietly this is how they started in cannabis they did a bunch of deals they never told anybody what they're they doing just all it's all you know in there and then they started marketing out their skills once they did the first sets of deals and i think you'll probably start seeing that later next year so i'm a, the, my policymakers directory is actually psychedelic lawyers policy di directory i started it 2 years ago the third edition will be published on the 1st of january and yeah, you know, when I first did it, I could literally couldn't find 200 psychedelic lawyers or policymakers around the world, never mind right. in the US. Now, um, now I'm going to be spoiled for choice in terms of editorial choice, who I choose. It's the same when I started the cannabis one. I started it with maybe, you know, if I chose 200 out of maybe 500. I <clears throat> right. No, that, that, what a difference a couple of years it makes. Exactly. Uh, I want to just make one more point and let, go ahead and talk about the symposium. I want to just make sure that for those that get a chance to catch this episode before, it's December 1st through 3rd. And I saw that the registration, it's available, like you said, it's in person or you can actually get there virtually. And also students recommended and, and definitely encouraged to go ahead and go look at the event and register. It's only 60 bucks, $57 just to go ahead and watch all the events going on. If you're a student and you want to go ahead and watch this, or if you're a part of other organizations, there's virtual as well. 
available. So for those that want to go ahead and be able to catch all these events, the website is National Interdisciplinary Cannabis Symposium.com. All one word. National Interdisciplinary Cannabis Symposium.com. Again, we mentioned Cannabis Law dot report. And of course that's where you can find the Karma Koala podcast. You can find it there at Cannabis Law dot report and look for that. And when they go to the website, where do they find it from the start of the website? Uh the in terms of the uh in terms of the symposium the podcast. Just the podcast, just uh, skim down, skim down the uh, the side a bit, and you'll see a, a column dedicated to it. Or uh, simplest thing, if you're a Spotify user, just go to Spotify, pump in Karma Koala, pump in podcast, and hey presto, you're there. You've got 110 odd episodes to listen to. And there's a nice green banner, a nice size green banner right there on the front page of Cannabis Law to report everything you can find right there. Uh, Sean Hawking, thank you again for being on with us. I really appreciate you taking time out and sharing your story with us and telling us about the podcast and getting a chance to delve into some of the legal issues and being able to go ahead and bring scholars, lawyers, judges, and so many other people in the legal space on board. Really appreciate it. Now, thank you very much for having me on the show. It's been, uh, been a pleasure. And thank you, listeners, as always, for listening to another year of wonderful programming here on Blunt Business. And we look forward to having you come on back next year. Talk to you in 2024. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.